Welcome to Our View Podcast, where we talk about life, travel, and real estate. Join George and Lisa Hernandez each week as they share insights and parenting tips about their life as a blended family with four teens, their crazy travel and adventures, and get Lisa's pro input about real estate as she juggles it all while still managing her top producing real estate brokerage, View Properties. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Our View Podcast. I'm Lisa Richard Hernandez. And I'm George Hernandez. And we are here, we are just um, coming off of our trip uh, leg where we spent uh, Labor Day weekend in the Redwood Forest area of Northern California, and we then went to Carson City, Nevada, and that is a little town, it's the capital of Las, uh, capital of Las Vegas, capital of Nevada, and it is right near Reno and Lake Tahoe. So it's the capital of Nevada. Yeah. I was really surprised about that. Yes, it is. The capital of interesting fact about Nevada. Carson City is the capital. And Carson City has uh, some casinos. We stayed at this little place called Gold Dust West. Is that right, George? Yes. And um, this was not, let's just start this by saying, this was not our favorite stop of all the places that we've been. Not at all. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was fun, but it, uh, as the driver, it was super tight. Yeah, there's like 42 spaces or something like that in the um, RV park at the Gold Dust West, which it is right off the highway. But I mean, we are driving a 40-foot A-class it was a pull-through site. And um, I wasn't sure how I was getting out. That's how tight it was. Yeah. I mean, you could barely even open. Like, so we had to like unhook the Jeep because there's no way you could keep your um, tow vehicle attached because it was like way too tight and short. And then um, we barely could get in our door because the Jeep was so close to our slides. I stood between the Jeep and the and our RV, and my shoulders were touching both the Jeep and our pop-out. That's just to give you a visual of how narrow it was. Yeah, so there were some other bigger trailers and stuff in there, but if you have a smaller coach, um, you know, I guess it's fine if you're just doing a short stopover. But um, we chose Carson City because Lake Tahoe was all booked, and it, it actually turned out to our benefit because when we got there, all of the campgrounds in Lake Tahoe were closed because of all the fires in California. Well, not only were they closed, but they were kicking people out of the campsites. So if we would have booked the campsite, we would have been moved out. Um, so we were told that the reason they were closing all the RV parks in the parks was because all the firefighters that were typically in Tahoe were in California fighting fires. I mean, it is in California, but um, had something broken out in Tahoe, they did not feel like they had enough firefighters to battle a fire in Tahoe. Yeah. And so there was obviously high fire alerts. And interestingly enough, we could see uh, the smoke rolling into Carson City um, from the forest fires that were happening in California while we were there. So... The guy said uh, the day before you couldn't even see 
I don't know, maybe like I would say the the highway was maybe 400 yards away. Yeah. He said uh, he couldn't even see. That, yeah, he said you couldn't even see the cars on the highway. You couldn't see the highway. Yeah. So the Goldust Casino was just, you know, it was a tiny casino. There weren't any table games. Of course, it's COVID. So um, we were challenged to kind of find stuff to do like right around the RV resort. But we did take a beautiful drive on the first day we got there out to Lake Tahoe. Yes. And you can drive all the way around Lake Tahoe in a day very easily. It's a beautiful drive. Um, That whole area was absolutely beautiful. And I will say I kind of fell in love with the area. Yeah, I would definitely like to return to Lake Tahoe. And, but I don't think I would go there in an RV. I think I would fly in there in the wintertime um, because it just seemed like such a cool place to just like go ski and snowmobile and do winter sports there. Um, the water in the lake is really cold. And it was kind of cold there. I mean, we were there in, what was it, September? So it was still summertime. It was right after Labor Day and... It was cold. Who was telling us that the lake is always, always cold? Um, as a matter of fact, if you go several feet below the surface, the water temperature pretty much stays damn near. Around 55 or 60 or yeah. something. Yeah. Well, it's because it's so deep. It's one of the deepest lakes. Um, I want to say like 1,500 feet deep. Yes. Yeah. So it was crystal blue and gorgeous to look at. And uh, we were there on a really windy day. So there weren't very many boats actually out on the lake, but there was tons of marinas. And um, I'm sure it'd be great also if you had a boat there. Or if there was, there was actually some boat tours that I'd looked into. Um, We ended up not booking because again, it was just so windy. Um, I didn't but we didn't see any boats out there, so I, I mean, there was white caps in the lake, so yeah. it was cold and w- I mean, very very windy. We had um, even we sat outside um, in uh, what was the name of the the place that we had lunch that day, George? Hold on, I'll find it. Uh, keep talking. Um, so we sat outside in this. I think it was called Heavenly um, little area of. So it's about. 30 minute drive from Carson City. So if, you know, you're looking to travel to the area and you can't get into Lake Tahoe or they're all booked, Carson City really is kind of like a little jumping off point. It's about 30 minutes to everywhere kind of a spot. So while there wasn't a lot to do in our campground right there, Reno was there and Lake Tahoe was there. So we did a couple little day trips and 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 that was um, very convenient we had our cocktails at a little Mexican place called Hacienda del Sol. No, that was uh, after No, lunch. Hacienda del Lago. Yeah, but that was halfway around the lake. That wasn't in the little heavenly place where we sat outside and the guy was playing music. Oh, that was the burger place. That was, um, it, I just saw it. It's like a whole little ski village and there's like all these places to sit outside, which is great with COVID. And there was actually some live music, which... It was really nice because the music wasn't like so loud where you couldn't hear each other talk, but it was entertaining and it just felt as close to normal, I guess, as we've felt in a while since there isn't any uh, live music hardly anywhere anymore with the COVID situation and stuff. So 
Um, we just had a, it was some sort of, there was a bunch of different restaurants you could choose from there. Um, the restaurant itself wasn't like super memorable, but just the atmosphere there was what was really cool. There was a bunch of little shops and we walked around. The ski lift was closed. Um, you could do that. Uh, I'm supposing, I'm guessing it was closed because of COVID. Um, but you can, even when it's not winter time, take the ski lift up to just see the sights. And I was hoping to do that, but, um, again, I'm pretty sure it was because of COVID that it was closed. And then like all of the, you know, campgrounds and parks and stuff that we wanted to stop at were closed. So, um, there were a lot of things that were closed. The, uh, the place where we ate was called California burger. The one where we sat outside. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that, like Lisa said, it was nice, but everybody had to sit outside and that little area was a little confusing. I guess three restaurants were sharing the outside seating area. So we weren't quite sure what we were going to where be. we were going. Yeah, but there were those tables. So no, it was it was all good. I mean, it was it they was had a little guy playing music. He was really good. Yeah. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. Hey, I would I like We were outdoors and eating and having a cocktail and it was beautiful. It, it was beautiful. Yeah. So really happy with Lake Tahoe. I, again, uh, felt like that was a place that I felt like I would really rather go in the winter time and do their winter winter activities. And I would love to go snowmobiling and stuff there. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely catered more to toward the skiing. I guess there was three resorts, God, within a couple miles of each other. So, um, it's definitely more of a winter kind of place. Um, we did go to, what was the name of the ski resort? Squaw Valley. We drove through Squaw Valley where the Olympics were held. 1960 Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually looked pretty cool. I would, I would go back and stay in Squaw Valley. Yeah. That was beautiful. The resort was beautiful. I mean, of course, it was empty because it was, you know, summer, so there wasn't really... Um, well, it's not fun to ski without snow. <laughs> yeah, but just, no, nobody was there. When it wasn't like there was any, there's nothing to see here, people. But it was cool, definitely, to um, drive through Squaw Valley, but um, that Heavenly Resort um, looked pretty cool because it was, um, like, you know, they had all those little restaurants and everything in the little town there, and... And they always make those little towns look like somewhere in Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. That that was really cool. But it's, it was kind of neat to see it off season and uh, just a different view of these resorts. But I will say I've, I've skied before. I love skiing. I haven't skied in forever, but man, I was looking at some of those runs and I was like, well, that's one I won't be doing right there. It just looked like it was going straight down the side of the mountain. Um, yeah, I mean, there was, you could see there were probably black diamonds, but um, I don't know. I don't, every ski resort has from beginner to advanced. Yeah, no, so. absolutely. I'm just saying about those couple runs that we saw that looked like they were just going straight. I mean, yeah. there was no... No angle to it except 90 degrees straight down is what it looked like to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think we stopped by Emerald Bay. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. Park. 
And uh, it was just, I guess it's one of the most photographed places um, of Lake Tahoe. And you can just see this like gorgeous view of the water and the water's crystal blue. Again, the actual park itself was closed and <laughs> people were actually like just climbing over the little like blockade things and just like whatever, I'm going to take my picture. Yeah, so they had little viewing areas that you could normally park in and they had them all barricaded off and people just parked across the street and they were like, hey, I'm here, I'm getting my picture. So when in Rome, we did the same thing. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful. And the water was emerald green. The rest of the Lake Tahoe was like blue as blue can be. It, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I I think they start um, spring skiing. I mean, they have spring skiing like in March. I think that would be like a really cool time to go where it's like a little bit warmer and um, things are starting to... Yeah, I'm, I, I believe I remember reading something about their ski season, and it's rather long. Yeah, it's, uh, like I, I think I just read. We're kind of used to East Coast where it's December to April. really quick. December to April is their ski season. Oh, okay. Yeah, so four months. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's hiking and things that you can do also at the, uh, um, at the park, uh, the Rubicon Trail is there. We all of these things we didn't go to. It we were there for just too short of a period. Yeah, it was a short time, and um, oh, like we said, every park was closed. Yeah. One of the other cool things about Lake Tahoe that I kind of liked was that as you drive around the lake, you come across different little towns that are around the lake. And they were all beautiful, and they all had little restaurants and places to eat. And um, I could see enjoying that and going around and just visiting all these little towns. I did look up some real estate while we were there, just to see if we could afford anything. I think a two-bedroom condo is about seven hundred thousand. Um, stuff on the lake starts around nine to a mil- million, several million, ten million. I think was the new construction one. Yeah, well, wasn't that brand new one like eighteen million? Something. Yeah, it was like crazy gorgeous. On we the almost lake. bought it, but you know, <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh dang, we just bought the RV. Why? Yeah. why no. <laughs> right, right. We wish. So that was good. So if you're in, so if you stay in Carson City, you can go do a day trip to Reno, or I'm sorry, to um, Lake Tahoe very easily. Um, if you're lucky enough to stay in Lake Tahoe when the campgrounds are open, I think it would also be really nice. Yes, and all the campgrounds look very nice, beautiful in the woods, um, and still very close to town. So I wish we could report more on that, but they were all closed. <laughs> yeah, and then, so the second day we did a trip to Reno, and <sighs> I think that was a big... I think George was more disappointed by Reno than me. Um, because of COVID, like, again, everything weirdly was closed. And Reno is like a mini Las Vegas. And George loves to gamble. So. And I love Las Vegas. So. And I've always wanted to go to Reno because I heard, oh, it's little Vegas, little Vegas, little Vegas. And, and it is. And I can see it. And maybe I shouldn't judge it because it was 
partially closed because of Everything COVID. Everything was mostly closed. Yeah, but it, it just, I, I don't know. I'm sorry, but I just saw zero reason to return. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I really don't feel like we need to go back to Reno. I mean, if we want to go to casinos, we would definitely go to Vegas. Um, but, I mean, everyone was friendly there or whatever. And it, it literally looked like a ghost town. I mean, it looked like there's all these casinos. There was nobody even in the parking lots. And don't don't forget, we were there in the middle of the week, too. It was like a what, Tuesday yes, or Wednesday. Yes, And again, don't don't judge us based on what we saw because we're, we're trying to be positive because of COVID and give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But every casino we went into, and we went to pretty much all of them that were on the Strip, and I'll, I'll I'll say something about that in a second. We went to all the older casinos on the Strip. Maybe we should have gone to the newer casinos. But the older ones, nice and big, looked great outside. You go inside, and there was one blackjack table, one roulette table, and one craps table. No, I think there just wasn't anything open. I think there would be more during COVID. I mean, not COVID. <sighs> okay, again, so... Maybe we need to go back yeah. once COVID is no, over. No point. But I really, so go to Vegas. I, yeah, I'd rather go to Vegas. Right, true. True that. So there were a lot of things to do in the Reno area that we really just didn't, um, we didn't really explore that much. I mean, we had done some research about the things that there are to do. Like, for example, Reno is home to the world's tallest climbing wall. And it's the sunniest place in America it's among the 10 sunniest cities in the country. Um, when there aren't fires in California. Yeah. Here's one thing we didn't go see, which may be interesting. And Elon Musk is using the sun to construct the biggest building on Earth. Um, 20 miles east of Reno at the Tesla Gigafactory. We haven't even, we, we should have driven by that. Damn, we missed that. Yes, we missed that. That um, and the biggest ball of yarn we missed. We really messed I up know. on this trip. There's several little things that we did miss. Um, uh, Lake Tahoe. I've got all the. I've got all these interesting facts. Like Lake Tahoe is so big that if you were to skim one inch off its entire surface, you'd end up with three point three three billion gallons of water in your hands enough to fill up 5,000 Olympic sized pools. It's so deep. You could stand the empire state building in it and not see its top. Wow. Thank you. Cliff Clavin. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I don't even know who that is. Cliff. From cheers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh geez. Um, they say that Tahoe tap tastes better than any other water in the country. I mean, these are all reasons that we chose this place to visit. Uh, there was a the um, Basque cuisine. I don't even know what that is. They have that there. Uh, we did not not get um, one of the top grilled cheese stops in the country is in Reno. Oh, now you tell me. Yep, once a food truck and now a brick and mortar cafe by the University of Nevada. Gourmelt is known for its wicked menu of grilled cheeses. All right. We're going to have to give it a second chance then. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you don't want to totally COVID. Dis, totally it's just dis. messing everything up. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, they have the biggest rig, uh, rib cook-off um, in the country um, at the Nugget Casino Resort. But I'm sure that was canceled because of COVID. There's a lot to do in Reno. There's also a lot of um, Jeep trails. We, we didn't get a chance to really go on a lot of them. But there are, um, we've got an app that shows you all the Jeep trails in the area. And when I fired it up, there were quite a bit. So maybe we'll give it a second shot next time we come out that way. If we're passing through there, maybe we need to just stay at a different place. Yeah, definitely not Carson City. <laughs> so, Sorry, Carson City. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, uh, don't get me wrong. Once again, people super nice. Um, we had one positive thing. We went to the Fandango Casino um, in Carson City, which was a ways from where we stayed camping. But that was the first time we got to play table games while we were there. Yep. It was five miles from where we were staying, and it was a little bigger casino, so we wanted to give that a try. And um, It's called Fandango. Fandango. We actually did pretty well. We walked out winning a little bit of money. Very little. <laughs> Not bit. enough to cover our dinner at the steakhouse. So... The steakhouse was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it was actually a surprise. Um, Duke, we, Duke's Steakhouse. Yeah. Inside the Fandango Casino in Carson City, Nevada. Yeah. We, when we were playing our table games, uh, I asked the de- one of the dealers, and I was like, you know, how's that steakhouse? And he was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, I don't know. It's like expensive or whatever. So I was like... Hmm. He really didn't sell it. No, no. So I was like, oh, God, do we really want to chance it? But then we didn't want to go eat at the like little cafe or whatever they had there. So we're like, oh, let's give it a shot. But I, I can't pass up a steak. So I said, come on, let's just go try it. It looks really nice. We looked at the menu. The menu looked really, really good. So we went inside and tried it out. And our server, Victor, was incredible. Yeah, he was. He was was a butler to who? John Wayne. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was just such a neat guy. John Wayne and somebody else. I can't remember. Sorry, Victor. I can't remember who the second person was. Yeah, we took a picture with our server. He was quite the character. He was like 72 years old. Yeah, but he... He 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 looked way younger than that. Yeah, he looked way younger than that. And and he just... He really represented the restaurant. He, He was fantastic waiter and took great care of us. Yeah, he stuffed blue cheese olives for me, which, you know, that to me alone. Yeah. I hate when some, you know, obviously you got to have, you if you have a restaurant, you got to have blue cheese and you got to have olives somewhere. Well, so, yeah. So I, got I know, my but uh, so many times we've gone to restaurants and people are like, yeah, sorry, we don't have those. How about you? Just, and so Victor was like. I can yeah. stuff some olives for you. I'll stuff some olives for you. I got you. Don't worry about it. Whatever you want. So and he, he made did it. Me a f- my favorite cocktail, especially at a steakhouse, um, is a dirty gray goose vodka martini up with blue cheese olives, just slightly dirty. And while shaken and cold, like that's like my favorite way to start a meal at a steakhouse. And um, he did a fabulous job of making my cocktail. Yeah. And my lemon drop martini. Oh, that was really good. It was awesome. And then we had some soup. Oh, the lobster bisque. Remember? Oh, my God. It was like the best lobster bisque we ever had. And we live in like 
Charleston. Yeah, we you live know, in, the low country. In, on the East well, Coast. Actually, we don't really have lobsters in Charleston. No, Minnesota. but I've had lobster bisque in New England where you would think it would be the best lobster. The epitome of lobster bisque. And that was absolutely the best. I repeat, the best lobster bisque I've ever had. Yeah, it had like big chunks of lobster in it. Huge. Chunks. Chunks of lobster, not just like a little, oh yeah, there's a little, I think that's lobster. No, this was definitely, this is a big chunk of lobster right here. Yeah, and it was just like super sweet and really tasty and it was delicious. It was one of those meals that I always say kidding around to the waiters. I'm like, if I could lick the bowl and not be embarrassed, I would do it. (laughs) Yeah. This was one of them. I mean, I, I literally considered licking the bowl in the yeah, restaurant. Yeah, it was probably worth it just to go there for just the lobster bisque. Yeah, that's like our other restaurant in Vegas, which we'll get to in a minute. But so we started with the lobster bisque and our cocktails and we knew we were on to something cuz this was really really good. And then I had the what did I have the filet mignon? I think we both had the filet. Which was cooked perfectly it was super tender the beef yeah, the it, beef was super high quality beef it was um, it was delicious you know we had really low expectations too because the guy was like eh, yeah okay. the dealer did not sell it at all i mean he made it sound like it was just you know some other australian steakhouse chain restaurant type of meal and we were so we went in just just to get a meal and really, like Lisa said, really low expectations and walked out of there very, very happy. Yeah, and overall, I mean, generally speaking, I mean, it was expensive because it's a steakhouse, but in comparison to other steakhouses that we've been, it was, I don't know, fairly I think, I think it was very reasonable. Yeah, I think it was under $200. Which yeah, is, considering what we ate and drank. Yeah. So when we left the uh, the restaurant, we just happened to see that same dealer having a cocktail. He was off work and he was sitting at the bar having a cocktail. So Lisa and I walked over to him and we actually gave him our dessert because we couldn't eat it. It was, what was it? Two little chocolate, mint something or another. I can't even remember, but it was really good. It was really good. And we walked over and we said, hey man, next time somebody asks you about their steakhouse, Here's our input on it so that you can relay it. That was fantastic. So tell if anybody asks you how the restaurant is, tell them it's great. It's the the food is fantastic. The service is great. And so we gave them our dessert. I said, here, try this, and then you can have a real. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So we're foodies. Let's. I mean, we're admittedly, and we are not afraid to spend money at restaurants to eat. So. I've learned over the course of this trip, you know, take it with a grain of salt when you ask some, when someone asks, you know, you ask the guy that's like, you know, your like guide on a, you know, tour that makes maybe $10 an hour or something about a steakhouse. They're not going to be like, oh yeah, we go there every night. You know, they, but they, I, I don't even think that matters it, because we have friends who have plenty of money. And they're not foodies. So if we ask them about a, a steakhouse, they'd be like, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. I'd it's rather expensive. have a hot dog. You know what I mean? I guess. So it, it's you got to take everything with a grain of salt. And it, again, it's like what we do with uh, with reviews. 
Oh, we sometimes, read them. Sometimes you read a review and you're like, oh, yeah, seriously? Like Google reviews and stuff like that. I'm like, you're complaining because okay, like, there was a light bulb out? Or um, the restaurant was just too expensive. It's like, well, why did you go then? You saw the menu before you walked in and knew what the prices were. You know? Right. It had $5 signs on the, uh, you know, Yelp. Right. Right. App. I, yeah. I don't get so it. So basically, whenever you listen to our podcast and we talk about food, it's generally going to be like, you know, look at the menu prices <laughs> before you make your own decision. If you're not a foodie and you do care about how much you spend on food, you definitely uh, want to take a peek at the prices before you move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really all there is to report about Carson City and Lake Tahoe and Reno. It was really just kind of a, a couple days stop over there. And because of the forest fires that were in California, we were supposed to go to Sequoia National Park next. And they shut it down. They closed it. It was on fire. I mean, there was literally a um, uh, story that came out on I don't know, social media is where I read it, but um, there was 200 people trapped in the forest about about 50 miles north of where we were supposed to be staying at the KOA. When I called the lady, she said, we're in a valley. We don't have the fires right here, but she said everywhere around us is on fire. And I had, it was kind of hard to get the information, like traveling to find out what roads were closed and stuff in California. So we ended up having to just reroute, which, um, so, you know, the Sierra mountains are all right there. And we really wanted to see the giant sequoias, which now I guess are apparently burnt, um, which I guess we missed our opportunity for that. But, um, so we rerouted over to the east side of the Sierras and we stopped in this. So we added two days to our trip in Las Vegas, which made it for six days there. And then we stopped for two days in this little town called Hawthorne, Nevada. It's a stopping point between Carson City and Las Vegas in the middle of pretty much nowhere. So when people say nowhere, they're talking about Hawthorne, Nevada. Yes. I think we saw the sign that said, you are nowhere. So interesting fact, uh, Hawthorne, Nevada is there's a military base there which stores munitions. It is the largest munitions storage facility in the United States, I believe. So as far as you could see in this desert, there were bunkers, bunkers everywhere. And I guess that's where they store them until they're needed. So while I was in Carson City, I picked up all of the little brochures that, you know, they have at the hotels and at the casinos and stuff like that with places to go see. And I got one of the brochures I got was like all the places to go ATV and off-roading in Nevada. And this is where it said visit Hawthorne. And I was like, well, look, George, we could go here, spend a day and go jeeping around the area. Like, you know, like it looks like a bunch of trails there, which... So it it really ended up kind of being like the a really pleasant surprise. It was a hidden gem. Yes. We stayed at a place called Whiskey Flats RV Park. And it's um, right on Highway 95 in Hawthorne, 
which was about what three hours from Reno, three hours. Yeah, from I think so. It wasn't that far. It was perfectly between Reno and Vegas. It was like four or five more hours to Vegas. I think. Yeah, but I, you know, right. Considering when we did the drive, there was nothing else in between. Yeah, um, that true was that. that was a great place. Yes, and uh, whiskey flats. Um, Super kudos nice. to them. Yeah, really, really nice place. I think it's is it fairly new. I don't know. They have about 60 sites, really level, nice pull-through sites. Large sites. Very well-maintained. Um, it was just actually really, really nice. And they had decent Wi-Fi and phone service. And, and, it, and it's just outside of town. Okay, so here, I, I've got it right on this sheet. It says the mileage chart. To Reno, it's 132 miles from Reno, 311 miles from Las Vegas, 124 miles from Virginia City, 80 miles to Mammoth, and 65 miles to Yosemite. And zero miles to nowhere. Yeah, that's true. Because it is nowhere. But no, besides that, just kidding. It We actually thoroughly enjoyed it. It was one of our, it was I, one of my favorite stops, actually. I would rather go back to Hawthorne than Carson, Carson City. City. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Damn, I hate slamming Carson City like that. <laughs> it just, it really didn't do it for me. Yeah. So, um, when we got there, I, you know, went into the office and I was like, hey, you know, do you have any maps of any of the trails around here or anything like that? And there were several books that they sold there. I think there were, um, the book itself was about $25. Um, it, I picked up Nevada Trails, Western Region, Back Roads, and Four Wheel Drive Trails. And there were like three different versions of this. Um, Western, it must have been West, I don't know, maybe there was four, North, South, East, West, I'm not sure. But I told her that we wanted to go to the ghost towns. And she said, oh, okay, this is the one you need, the Nevada Trails, Western Region. And so I picked that one up. But, but it also had the map for... Um, Reno, Carson City, Virginia City, Lake Tahoe, Tonopath, and Hawthorne were all in the same book. I'm guessing you can get it on Amazon. It's called Nevada Trails and um, Western Region. And it says 4wdbooks.com. So like fourwheeldrivebooks.com. Very um, useful. Very useful. Yeah, if you can useful. get that before you go and plan your trip, you'd be so much better off. Yes. Yeah. Th we took some trails that... Um, we got a little sketched out. Yeah. It was pretty sketchy. It w they were way out there. Um, for us at that point, it was a little more extreme than we had ever been used to. Um, so it, it, the book kind of calmed our nerves because we knew where we were going at least. Yeah. So... Um, I also downloaded a couple of apps and those were also very helpful and I downloaded the maps to go with them and um, you have to do this when you have Wi-Fi. So you want to do this before you set out for the day. I think that in like we never we went to the sand sand flats one day when we were in Oregon, but we had not really gone on these like long Jeep trails and gone jeeping like we did um, for this this particular stop. And so it was our first real experience and kind of a learning thing. Um, 
we had learned early on in the trip that we need to pack water and pack snacks, but we, you really, really, really need to make sure you have at least five bottles of water per person. I mean, depending on how long you're going to be out there, but more water than you could possibly think you could drink and definitely some food or snacks because sometimes trails take longer or you see a scenic route and you go a, a different way and you want to be able to be spontaneous, but you also don't want to be lost and stuck and starving and um, thirsting to death. Water is the biggest thing. When, when you think you've packed enough water, throw some more water in there. Well, yeah, because you're in the desert also. Um, so I, I downloaded two apps. So one was called Avenza Maps, A-V-E-N-Z-A. And it was a free app. And you can download a bunch of the maps for free. And um, so uh, the Nevada Department of Transportation has like all these maps with the roads on them. And then you download them and they run off your GPS without having any cell phone service. And they proved to be somewhat of a lifesaver for us since the book got a little bit confusing at times um, because there were so many trails. We would kind of like, go, oh, wait a minute, are we still here? Or where are we? And so I really was thankful that I had downloaded that map. And, and with the book, you could be on one trail. And if it's like, like a really long trail, it's one of those books that all of a sudden you run off the page and it says, okay, go to page 45. And you got to find page 45 to see where the rest of the trail is. And that's where it can get a little, little sketchy. It's doable, obviously, but it's so much easier with an app. The yeah. other app we had was Onyx. On X off road, which I have now purchased, and it's it's very helpful. But it's the same thing. It works great when you're at the campsite; everything's fantastic. But the key to it is to download the maps. So as soon as uh, we got there, I downloaded a ten mile radius map of where we were, because when you get out in the trail and all of a sudden you lose Wi-Fi and you lose everything, yeah, there's like no phone service. <coughs> Nothing. So all you Correct. have to go by is the map you downloaded. Right. So if you downloaded it, it'll work off of your GPS and you'll be fine. But if you don't lo- download it, then you've got this blurry ske- screen that just does not work. Yeah. So a lot of learning lessons there. Um, so I said, all right, well, we want to set out and go see um, these ghost towns. I think the coolest thing was this adventure to go find these like old Bodie ghost town. Yeah. Well, we found these like abandoned mines and ghost towns and the book has what's cool is the book has like all of your um, GPS coordinates. And one thing I also wish that we have is a, like a, uh, like a GPS system that you can easily put in the GPS coordinates because uh, these maps run a lot off of that. So if you're more experienced, cheaper, you may already have that type of equipment, but it might be something to look into if you're just getting started. And I know that I've been doing research on it um, just to get a little bit more uh, because you can really track yourself with the GPS and find your way around to things much, much easier. Yes. One of the things that we noticed from all the other people that were far more advanced than us in, in the Jeep trail riding and everything everybody has these large display they're basically ipads so they've got giant displays of the maps and everything's downloaded and everything's good to go 
and everything is right there, right in front of the driver or the co-pilot. Um, and we were kind of trying to do it off of our phones and it worked. We're alive. We're talking to you. But um, that little screen just, it sucks. Yeah, it really sucks. we were definitely like rookie, rookies this time. And um, the first the first day we fortunately made it to the Bodie Ghost Town. Um, I would say we we drove up a mountain. Uh, it was about 10,000 feet um, elevation. And we came down that mountain on the mountain ledge. Beautiful view. Amazing view. But also very scary because it was like our first time jeeping. We were like on something that was not like pretty much a dirt road, I would say, or like the sand dunes. Um, so there was some loose gravel. Um, it was probably like a level one or two type of a trail, pretty easy, but also, um, new to us. And so going down that 10,000 square foot decline, um, was a little bit, uh, a little bit nerve wracking, but it was also like some of the most beautiful views we've ever, ever seen. Okay. So Lisa didn't tell everybody that. I'm not the biggest fan of heights. At all. I'm actually very scared of heights. And she made it sound like such a wonderful trip. Um, so let me describe it for you. It's a road that's dirt road. Basically, just a little bit wider than my wheelbase on the Jeep. So as we're driving along this road, if I look to my left, I'm looking basically, what was it? 8,000 feet straight down. It was not that far. Oh, okay. I mean, we're on top we of were a way up there. We're on top of a 10,000 mountain. probably would have only fallen like 2,000 feet each Oh, time. yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> easy day. We'll just, I can buff that uh, out. He was probably way more stressed out while I was like, oh, my God, look at this. Take pictures. It's awesome. Yeah. All she kept saying was, oh, my God, you should see how far down it is. Oh, my God, we're so <laughs> high up. Oh, my God, this is so cool. And I was like. How about we wait, hold the commentary till, yeah, till we safely till make it to the base. back of my knuckles. Yeah. So another thing we found out um, is that there is some Jeep etiquette, trail etiquette. So if you're going up a hill, you have the right of way as opposed to the guy going down the hill. And I only say that because that road that we were on that was just wide enough for my Jeep was a two-way road. I don't know what I would have done if a Jeep was coming up. I, I truly have no clue what I would have done. The right thing is to go back to your last turn and let them go through. But the thought of backing up on that trail is just... we. We ended up do doing it, it on You're another trail. Yes, yes. Now, now uh, I'm a professional now. I've <laughs> got all the experience in the world. But at that point, I would have been in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we continued. It took us about four hours that day. And um, we went through this beautiful, like, literal valley in the mountains, um, which also we were a little, a little nervous about. And again, now looking back on it, um, it was probably only like maybe what you would you say like a level two or three at the very most at the most at the trails. So the boulders, I guess are like mm, less than a foot high, Yeah, maybe. but it looked like, I mean, it looked like a riverbed. We were driving down in our Jeep and you know, when you're used to driving on a road or a gravel road or whatever, you're like, Holy smokes. 
how are we going to make it through this? And um, the Jeep just, I mean, a, a stock Jeep could easily, easily have made it to Bodie. Um, easily. Right. So this was our first true off-road experience with our Jeep that's new to us also. So we really had no concept of what the Jeep could do. I've seen a million videos, but that's somebody else's Jeep. I don't know what they've done to it. The, mine is just, mine is a little jacked up. Um, it, it's got a lot of modifications. That's how it comes. It's a... It's a Jeep Wrangler Unlimited Call of Duty Limited Edition Jeep. So it's it's got a lift kit. It's got big tires, like a 37-inch tires. So I knew I could do more than a regular stock Jeep, but I'd never done anything with it. So I didn't know what it was capable of. We didn't even air down the tires like we were supposed to then. No, we didn't even know about... I knew about airing down the tires, but I didn't I didn't even want to mess with it because I didn't know how much they're aired down. And then how do I air it back up without right. getting to the RV? So right. a lot of unanswered questions for me that I didn't want to mess with. Okay, so now that we have the answers to the questions, let us share them with you so you don't have to wait until uh, three podcasts away till we tell you about how we learned about that. But so we basically with those tires, we aired down to 16, right? We aired down to 18 pounds. Normally, they hold 50. And the, the theory behind that is it gives you more of a surface for gripping, and it makes the ride way more comfortable, which it does. Yeah, so the airing down means letting the air out of your tires, basically. And we have an air compressor in the RV, so when we get back to the coach, then you just are, you know, put the air back in. There's also, like, we only had, like, one little thing to take the air out like one little and to take it from 50 to 20 is it takes forever um we later purchased a a, a tool that airs all four of them down at the same time you go around and you just check the tire pressure so that saves you about four times as you know it's a fraction of the time oh yeah but um, it was well worth airing down yeah so that's um that's for another pro podcast. tip pro tip air down your tires so we get to Bodie. So we're going through these valleys and I mean, there were some challenging things. I would get out and take pictures of them ahead of time and incredibly beautiful and not another soul out there. And we finally come upon this ghost town and Bodie ghost town is, it's also now a state historic park. So although it's, it's not close to anywhere and that's probably the reason that it is a ghost town. Um, so only about 5% of the buildings are still there, but the town was in function from 1877 to 1881 that was its heyday and there was almost 6,000 um, people there I said it, it actually got up to as many as 10,000 um, which is a big town for uh, the 1800s so uh, everybody was following the uh, 1849 gold rush and um, the mining declined along the western slope of the Sierra Nevadas and prospectors were you know, hungry for the next big strike. So they crossed over the Sierra Nevadas um, to prospect the Eastern Slopes. And so in that area, there's all these like abandoned mines and this like, like you'll just be driving and then all of a sudden you'll like be like an old hundred year old abandoned shack. Like somebody must have lived there. And that was, you know, searching for gold and, um, yeah, and so. along, along the trails, there was also a lot of um, mine shafts. 
they were closed up, so you I mean, it was couldn't safe, get in trouble. But, but yeah. it was cool to see, wow, okay, they dug here and they dug here. And then we came across one mountain that was like, there must have been six or seven different shafts going into the mountain for yeah. digging for gold. So I was reading here that um, Bodhi from Pigops, Pigipsy, New York, discovered gold in 1859 in Bodhi. And he died months later in a blizzard, never seeing the town that honors him. Bodhi's bones were rediscovered in 1879 and then, quote, misplaced after burial. His final resting place is now thought to be somewhere in, on the hill above the cemetery. The town's name um, came to be spelled Bodhi, B-O-D-I-E, and his last name was actually spelled B-O-D-E-Y. Did you say Poughkeepsie, New York? I'm pretty sure that's how you spell it. That's like... P-O-G-H-K-E. Yeah, Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie, New York. That's like... Um, couple miles from where I grew up. Yeah, well, that's where that's where this gold well, mine was from. It wasn't in the 1800s, from. but nope. So during eighteen seventy seven and eighteen through eighteen eighty one, Bodie's mining district included thirty different mines and nine stamp mills. Along with the miners and merchants, Bodie attracted a rougher element who gave the town a reputation for bad men and wild times. There were more than sixty saloons, many near Bonanza Street prostitutes cribs and opium dens in chinatown uh the boom years were over quickly and unsuccessful mines began closing and the population dropped quickly and continued to dwindle until the 1900s um, but mining continued until 1942 wow yep and so. they did a great job preserving a lot of the buildings um the school is somewhat intact you can still see the kids desks and the, uh, the and school bell. And it's crazy because those were actually like fairly new compared to the. It says, um, uh, it, when you visit Bodhi today, you experience slices from the town's different time periods. You'll see houses that were built in the 1870s, the standard mill from the late 1890s, gas pumps from the 1920s. That's where we saw we had the picture of you. Yeah, they, front. And they had an old truck parked in front of the park. Uh, the schoolhouse that was used until 1942. So some buildings are named um, according to past functions, others for people who live there. Um, and there was, it was really cool. I mean, it looked like a movie set. Yeah, that's what we kept saying, that it, it looked like a movie set. It almost looked fake. But it, it was really interesting to walk around. And um, so they've got these little numbered squares in front of each building and it's like a self-guided self, tour yeah, like a self-guided self walking tour kind of thing i was like what was it like five dollars or something yeah um, you put a five dollar donation and you grab the book and you just read about all these different houses and the plaques what i thought was interesting is that the actual park rangers live in the ghost town they were i, I guess they uh fixed up some of the old houses and that's where they live yeah so I thought this was also interesting. It says um, Bodhi State Historic Park is best, best visited during the summer. At other times, the weather is unpredictable. Off-season visitors are cautioned to contact the park for road weather conditions before taking the trip. Roads are often difficult and trailers are not advised. So we drove a long way down that dirt road to get there. Um, but uh, I mean, to get home from there, basically. Um over snow equipment, snowmobiles, skis, snowshoes, etc., may be required to reach the park during the winter months. Yeah, I can see that. The the road to get to the park, even the main road, 
is paved up to a certain point, and it, it was probably a good three miles of unpaved, rough road. Any car can get over it. You don't need a four-wheel drive. You don't need anything special. But it was really rough. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, and so by the time we drove all the way there, got to the Bodhi ghost town, which was our end, end uh, thing to see, which was really cool. We walked around there. Um, it was starting to get to be later in the afternoon and we were about 55 miles away from Hawthorne. So it took us almost an hour or so to drive home from there. Um, again, a beautiful view, great drive. Um, but, uh, if you're going to plan that, make sure you plan for a whole day being on the road. Yeah. And the whole ride back, um, we, so with the apps that we had, we could see all these trails that um basically just bypassed the the main road so we kept getting off and going on different dirt roads and yeah and that was really cool too because there's a lake there there's there's different things to see different types of trails also so we took as many as we could yeah it was actually fun yeah it was really really fun and they were easy trails and if you have a jeep or atvs i highly recommend that area so um i think that's really like <laughs> I think our trip to Hawthorne was almost more of the highlight than Carson City. An unexpected, really exciting surprise. Next stop is going to be Las Vegas. We'll tell you all about that and how it was during COVID. So tune into our next podcast for that. We'll put the links to all the places that we talked about today in our show notes. And uh, any last notes on that, George? No, um, I agree with you. I think Hawthorne was a hidden gem um, on our trip. We were not expecting it. We we really just booked it and we said, okay, this will be a nice downtime. And we actually never stopped when we were in Hawthorne. Um, and again, the campsite, uh, Whiskey Flats, kudos to them. Very nice, very clean, very spacious, and right in the middle of everything. Yeah, I wouldn't hesitate. To, um, the only real, oh my God, we didn't even talk about the second day in Hawthorne. We have to give a little shout out to that. So we drove south on, was it 95, to the Mina, remember? Yes, we went to Mina. The, oh, like, M I N A. We went to the best restaurant in town. Yes, it Mina, was the only it, restaurant. So Mina in Spanish is mine. Yeah. So I thought that was so cool. That I, what was the name of the place? Did you write it down? I forgot. I don't know. You can't miss it. It's the only restaurant in town. So I there's so in Hawthorne there is a McDonald's, um, and that's like the only basic. I, I don't know. There's a couple other little restaurants we didn't go to them or anything, but. Um, if you drive an extra 30 miles, don't stop at the McDonald's in Hawthorne. Go to this little roadside burger place and get a um, a burger and fries from there. This little lady has owned it for, I don't know, how many years. But she used to work in a mine for 30 years. And then she worked as, in a... As, she in was a, a janitor in a mine for 30 years. And then she worked in a brothel. As a chef. As a chef. And now she has her little roadside thing. And they've been on like... Um, must place, must stop places, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it was actually it was like a really good little burger. It was really good burger, and um, I and guess their shakes must be fantastic because a bunch of truckers stop and a yeah, bunch of people stop for shakes. You can pull over in your RV or whatever, or any car, and um, grab a burger there. So shout out to our little burger place in Mina. That was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely stop by there and tell them that we sent you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, friends. And thank you for listening to us. Please share this podcast with your friends and tell other people. Subscribe to it and listen. Um, 
If you want to go to our website, ourviewpodcast.com, you can uh, subscribe on there and we will uh, send you um, an alert when we have a new podcast coming out. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today on Our View Podcast. If you would like to hear more, don't forget to hit that subscribe and follow button and share this with your family and friends. You can send a direct message. Just visit www.rviewpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at rviewpodcast. That's the letter R, view podcast.